From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, welcome to Parkway Church. My name is Call, and I'm the lead pastor here, and I am super excited that you are tuning in today. And I really don't think that's an accident that you're here this morning. I really think through God's providence and the Holy Spirit leading you that you ended up watching and listening this morning. I think God wants to speak to you. So if you're new, welcome to our faith community. Uh, We would love to connect with you. Uh, We'd love to know that you're here. So if you could just take a quick moment, go to weareparkway.com slash connect and just fill out that brief uh, form. We're going to send you a small gift just to say thank you. And it's it's just a gift card for some free coffee. It's nothing nothing scary, but we just want to connect with you. We want to know that you're here. So if you could take some time. Shout out to everybody who's tuning in. Listen, part of our Parkway family, however you're watching, um, however you're listening, um, we know this is different times, but um, I'm excited that we can still gather as a community. I want to give you some uh, quick updates for those of you who are asking, are we reopening soon? The answer is not just yet. Um, we are still doing updates. Uh, we're working on those. Uh, we're starting some painting of our, of our stage this week. Uh, so hopefully that will come to, to an end soon. Uh, we've run some tests of our, of our live streaming equipment uh, this past week so that we can live stream our physical service while we still gather. So that's all kind of underway, and it's, 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 we're getting there with all that. Um, with regard to provincial mandates, as many of you know, the government has allowed places of worship to gather at 30% capacity. And while that sounds very easy, it does present lots of tra- challenges because we still have to adhere to uh, regulations and restrictions uh, for health and safety reasons, physical distancing. We have to make sure the chairs are spaced in a certain way. Uh, one of the newest measures that actually has come into play is, is no corporate singing. And our local public health unit is really standing by that. And so what that would look like for a gathering is that we could not sing. So at this time, we just feel that with all these restrictions and everything in place, that it's best that we just continue our online service um, as we've been doing. And uh, we're loving it, and we can still worship and connect. Uh, And I think it's only a matter of weeks. Um, Through conversations I've had with public health, They're watching it week to week, and things could change next week. Things could change the week after that. So I'm asking that you you be be patient with me. I know that it's frustrating. I'm frustrated, and some of you are, but I really believe that God is at work. I don't think he's sleeping. The Bible said he doesn't sleep or slumber. He's not surprised by this. He's in sovereign control of it all. And while we might feel the opposition against us as a church community, as a faith community, I really think it is an opportunity. Many of you have been um, talking to neighbors that you haven't talked to in a long time. You have family that are tuning in that maybe haven't tuned in in a while. Um, you've, you've been connecting with people that you haven't connected with. Um, so I really see God at play. I see God at work. I don't think the church closed. You know, our physical building might be closed. Our our physical gatherings might uh, uh, be, be closed, be different. Um, our, our comfort might be closed, but the Great Commission never closed, right? The Great Commission never stopped. Go and make disciples. And if, if church ceased for you, 
in this season, then I think we're missing a little bit part of our commission as a church to go and make disciples because I really think we had uh, an amazing opportunity. I'm choosing to see that. I'm choosing to see the opportunity God's given us. And, you know, we were having conversations in, in our prayer meeting this past week about how the early church in the book of Acts, uh, when persecution came, and you even see this in, in many nations in our world, when there was a level of persecution, I'm not saying we're facing that right now, but that's when the church grew. The church grew in opposition. And so there is opportunity for us to grow um, during this time. So be patient. It's only a little bit longer. I'm praying, I'm hope. Let's pray and believe in that. And let's just trust in God that he's at work. Uh, we're going to get into the word today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 23. Uh, if you've been with us or you haven't been with us, we've been going through the book of Mark, uh, studying it and kind of just taking it uh, chunk by chunk, allowing the Spirit to speak to us. Mark was written by a guy named John Mark. It is the second in the four gospel accounts. And it's, it's, it's Mark's perspective of the life and ministry of Jesus. And what he did is he, he was said to be a disciple of Peter, and he took Peter's eyewitness accounts and Peter's memories, and he kind of formulated into this, into this uh, account. Um, and he's really writing to Roman and Gentile uh, Christians to reveal that Jesus is the Messiah. His, his heart, his, his mission is to show um, how Jesus became king, um, that he has reign and rule. And so as you're reading the story, and as we've been reading the story, we're really seeing Jesus slowly reveal himself as the, as the Messiah. So I, I, my hope is through Mark, as we've been kind of looking at together, that your perspective of Jesus and his authority has been enlarging. That's really my hope in all this, that as, as we look at what Mark's been sh uh, sharing, that we really begin to either relearn or learn who Jesus is. Is. So let's pray. Um, I want to pray for our government leaders because there's a lot of decisions that they're making right now, and, and I want to believe that God is behind that. I want to pray for those that are sick and those that are in need, and, and ultimately I want to pray that as we look at this today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak, but I want, I want God to speak to you. And so let's just bow our heads wherever you are, however you're listening, unless you're driving, but let's just pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this day, and thank you that we have another chance to gather in community. We know it's different, but we know, Lord, that we are together in spirit. And so, holy God, I just pray that wherever people are, however people are tuning in this morning, Lord, that you just touch their hearts. You'd open them to what you want to say through the text and through the, the story that we're going to look at today. Lord, I know that I can speak, but I pray that you speak ultimately to every single heart and every single soul that is listening, Father. I pray you're blessed, God, by our worship this morning. I pray you're glorified by how we respond and engage, Lord, to you this morning. Lord, we just uh, take a moment right now to think of those that are in need. Lord, we know that while we as a nation are in need and there's a, a pandemic going on with COVID, Lord, that there's many that are still in individual need. And so I just pray in Jesus' name as a personal God, would you just intervene into all those situations as only you can intervene. For those that need healing, God, I just pray right now for healing. For those that need comfort, would you comfort? For those who need help or aid, would you, would you help? For those that are in need of reconciliation, God, would you reconcile? Lord, would you just strengthen those who are weak? Would you bring comfort to those and peace to those who need it? Would you be God as only you can? And we ask, Lord, that you'd also be God with our government leaders as they make decisions 
And they, they, they write laws and they make regulations, God, on many different things from how, even in this time, how we reopen as a nation, as a community, as a church, what that looks like. We pray that ultimately the decisions and the directions that come forth are, are guided and led by you. Lord, that regardless of how it comes, God, that we would trust that your hand is upon them. So have your hand upon them in the name of Jesus. And once again, we commit this word to you and we pray above all else that you're glorified in Jesus' name. And wherever you are, you said amen. So Mark chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 23. It says this, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into a synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. We have, uh, we have young kids, many of you know that. We have three beautiful kids. They're the best kids. Uh, we love them deeply. And if you have kids, you know right now that schooling, um, actually they just finished school, but schooling um, for the last couple of months looked, looked different. It was different. Um, all of a sudden, every parent is a homeschool teacher uh, teaching their kids, trying to navigate uh, that kind of life and that kind of world. And for, for our kids, each day they had a little bit of work that was sent to them from the teacher, and then they had to work on it and, and submit that. And, and compared to probably what they were used to, it was a lot less, um, but, uh, but many days on that lot less was a bit much. Um, but for most of the time, when my boys were, were doing their schoolwork, were working on their school, they kept, they kept looking to the, to the weekend. You know, they, they, as they'd go through each day, they'd be like, how many days? They're counting down for the, to the weekend. They're looking forward to, to Saturday because, because Saturday meant no school. The weekend meant, meant no schoolwork, no homework. It meant every, everyone was home. And specifically for my, for my oldest son, it meant play. They were looking for the weekend. They would say, I can't wait for the weekend. I remember one Friday, we're sitting in our kitchen on the island, and my son Eli, he had just finished all his school, where he finished it all, and he's having a snack, I believe. So technically, his weekend had begun, right? He has no, nothing else that's, that's pressing him or taking him away from that. And I remember him saying, oh, I just can't wait for Saturday. And I looked, and I said, why? And he goes, because it's the weekend. And I said to him, I said, buddy, you're already done your school. Like, you've got, you got no more school left until, until Monday. And it clued into him that his Saturday had begun. He was living for the weekend. And, you know, pre-COVID, many of, many of us were like this. We, we live for the weekend. 
We toil and we work and we labor, but we can't wait for the day off. And, and maybe for you, your weekend is midweek, right? It's a, it's a, it's a Wednesday, Thursday, or whatever it may be for you. That, that's your day off. But, but we long for the day of rest. And that is not entirely wrong, right? Unless that's all we're living for. And I think if that's the case, then we're missing out on the purposes that God has for us. But there is part of us that was made to work, and there's part of us that was made to rest. You know, we're, we're in a little bit something different now with COVID. Um, it might not look the same, the, the work week and, and the weekend, but we still want rest. If not, um, not so much from work, but we want rest from the trouble, from the uncertainty. But, but in part of our design, we were created to cease to rest from laboring. And the Bible has a word for this, and it's called Sabbath or Sabbath rest. And I think for our society, our culture, this is really a hard concept to grasp because in our culture, we are busy. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of work, 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 and, and go, go, go. And even in our immediate context, as much as uh, it may be a little bit slower paced than the city, we're busy. And, and all that, is, that has happened around us in this time, I think, has really forced us as a culture to take a break, to rest, to cease and to slow down a bit. You know, my pastor used to always say, my pastor used to always say, you know, some are slain in the spirit, others are slain in circumstance. You know, you remember the days if you were part of the Pentecostal church when the, when the spirit of God, God's presence would be so powerful in your space, in the room, when you were just overwhelmed by his, his, his presence on your life that you would literally fall over. You were slain in the spirit, they would say. Well, he, he would say that there's people that, that become slain in circumstance. There's, there's, there's just go, 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 or they don't listen to their body and something happens significantly, whether it's to themselves or something around them. And, and it, in a way, it's God's way of saying it's time to, to slow down. He's trying to get our attention to say, to say, stop, slow down, cease, change, rest, Sabbath. You know, many people find themselves in those circumstances. They don't stop, and then their body tells them that it's time to stop. Maybe you know that. Let me introduce you to, to the Sabbath or reintroduce you to the Sabbath. The Sabbath in the scriptures was the seventh day of the week. It was Saturday where God's people would rest and they would stop and they would cease from, from all work. In fact, they were commanded to do so, patterning their lives after God. In our origin story, in the, in the creation story, um, after God finished creating the heavens and the earth in six days, he stepped back and he looked at everything he made and he said, man, it's good. And the Bible says that he rested. He, he wasn't tired Right? He didn't need a break. He, he wasn't exhausted from all the work. He wasn't working for the weekend. He didn't need rest. Um, God is, is um, uh, all-powerful, uh, meaning that he has all the power in the universe. He never grows tired. He never grows weary. He, he never needs to sleep. He doesn't expend energy. And when he works, his power doesn't diminish. And so, so when God rested on the seventh day, it simply meant that he stopped creating. He, he stopped doing what he was doing. He ceased from his labors. And some would say that he stopped to look back and enjoy his creation as he said it was good. Now, God used this example of resting on the Sabbath as a principle um, of Sabbath day of rest for his people. In the Ten Commandments, it even says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, to remember it and set it apart. So one day 
out of the seven days, God's people were commanded to stop laboring, to stop working, and rest. And they gave rest to their servants and to their animals. And this wasn't about a physical rest, right? It's, it's not just about a nap. It's not just about recharging. It was ceasing from laboring. The main view was to stop laboring, to stop working, to stop toiling. Now, I'm going to be real with you. I have a really hard time with stopping. I, I like to be busy. I like to do, even when I'm not in the office, even when I'm not doing my job, I like to be, I like to be toiling. I like to be working. I like to be doing something. I want to be. And, and part of my flesh, part of, part of my sin nature gets, gets value from the accomplishment. And that's not right. I'm, I'm letting you know. I'm just being honest. That is, that is not right. But it feels good. I, it feels good. And in some ways, it's good to, to get a sense of accomplishment. But my value does not come from my accomplishments. My value comes from who I am in, in Jesus and who Jesus calls me. Uh, but, but, but stopping is really hard for me. Stopping and, and not doing. We got a people in our, in our neighborhood. I can see that it's springtime, right? It's summertime, and they're working on projects outside, and they got wood on their driveway. And I'm like, oh, man, that person's doing something. And my wheels start turning because I want to I wanna, I wanna do. But we miss what, what it means, part of what it means to be human, human if all we do is, is toil and labor and go, go, go. We're missing part of what it means to be human. Studies actually show, and we know this, right? Studies show the value of, of having at least one day off in your week. It, it, the benefits it does to your body, to your mind, it, in fact, it increases your productivity. In some cultures, in some nations, they've actually reduced their work week to like, you know, three, four, five days and the number of hours they work in the day because they have actual um, quantifiable data that shows they are more productive in the less time. You know, some would say that less, less is more. There's something about, about ceasing. There's something about, about taking the weight off, the burden off for a little bit just to, just to get back going. So in the story in Mark chapter 2, uh, Jesus has these encounters with the Pharisee groups uh, around keeping the Sabbath, around the day of rest. So, so Jesus and his disciples, uh, they're walking through the, the grain fields on the Sabbath day, and they're hungry, and so they start picking some, some grain, right? It kind of reminds me of corn tasseling, which I hated. And they're picking some grains of head because they're hungry. Now the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, the religious elite, they, they see this, and they, and they begin to get upset and angry, and they say, why are you doing what is unlawful to do on, on the Sabbath? Now, picking, picking grain wasn't actually unlawful according to God's law through, the, through Moses. It wasn't unlawful to do. In fact, you, they could do it. But according to the laws that the Pharisees had established, they couldn't do that on the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees had made themselves into lords of the Sabbath. They had, they had uh, come up with a confusing and complex system of, of Sabbath laws in order to observe the, the Sabbath um, that were super oppressive and super legalistic. In fact, they had 39 categories of forbidden activities. 39, not 39 activities you could do, but 39 categories. And it became such a heavy burden to keep the Sabbath that people began to dread the day of rest. Something that God had created as this, this gift for people to, to cease from their labor had become something that was a burden, that was a weight. So Jesus meets their accusation with a counter question. He says, you guys are keepers of the law, right? You know King David. Do you remember when King David entered the temple and, and he with his companions, they took some of the consecrated bre bread from the most holy place that was only meant for the priests 
and they ate that? Now, they, they, these, these Pharisees would have known that story. Now, what David did was actually unlawful, but he wasn't condemned for doing it. So Jesus isn't trying to say that they have, they've broken the Sabbath law, but he, what he's trying to say is that under certain conditions, um, uh, certain um, uh, situations, violations are, are warranted. What he's saying is human need is a higher law than religious ritualism. Human need is a higher law than religious rituals. Now, the Pharisees have got so focused on keeping and observing their traditions and their laws that they began to overlook people. It became about the religious do's and don'ts as opposed to people. They missed the whole point of the Sabbath. But Jesus basically was saying that Sabbath was not made for its own sake, but it was God's gift. It wasn't meant to be a straitjacket it was good, and in this moment, Jesus reveals something significant to, to the hearers, to the readers of, of, of Mark's gospel, but also to the, to the Pharisee group who, who had set themselves up of lords of the Sabbath. He would basically said that I am lord of the Sabbath. I am lord of the Sabbath. He's staking claim and his authority to decide what happens on this day. Now, doesn't the creator of something get to decide what they do with it? You know, our boys, they, um, they love Lego. I love Lego. I grew up playing Lego. Uh, if I'm going to play anything as an adult, I'm going to play with Lego. And they love playing Lego. And over the years, we've bought tons of Lego sets. And all these Lego sets come with instructions, laws, on how you are to build the Lego set. He's even got pictures that you follow along. And all of these sets have been built according to the instructions at one point, but then our boys, as the creators, as the molders, as the designers of, of, these, of these structures, they get to decide. They have the authority, really, to how, how it ends up. And 100% and of the time, none of these sets stay as the set. None of the sets stay how, it, how, how the instructions tell you to say it, but they mold it and they create it how they see fit. And Jesus, as the original Lord of the Sabbath, has the authority to over, overrule the religious instructions on how to keep the Sabbath because he created it. He created it, and the creator is always greater than creation. The creator is always greater than the creation. Now, the next incident is really interesting. So Jesus and his disciples, they're in the synagogue and they're there to hear the word and to worship. And that's what the synagogue was. It was a place where Jews would gather and they would, they would hear the, the law read and they would, they would pray together. But the Pharisees, the, the keepers of the law, the religious elite, they're in the synagogue, but they actually are there with ulterior motives. They're looking for a way to accuse Jesus. They're plotting to kill Jesus. Um, and they're watching to see if he'll heal on the Sabbath. Now, according to rabbinic law, Healing was unlawful unless someone's life was in danger. That is the only time when healing could take place on the Sabbath. So for, for the Pharisees, healing was unlawful, but plotting to kill someone wasn't. Like you can see kind of where their, their hearts were at. Now what's interesting is they were convinced, obviously, of Jesus' ability to heal. Because they were not looking to see if he could heal. They were looking to see if he would heal. So they obviously knew somewhere in their mind that he had the ability, that he had the power, that he had the authority over the human body. See, sometimes it's not just enough to know. There's got to be a heart change happening in your life. And so here, as they're watching, their, their observance to the law was more important than people. They, they had hard hearts. 
So Jesus stands up and he commands center stage and he knows what's racing through their minds. He says, what is better to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To heal a life? To save a life? Or to kill a life? Or to plot to kill a life? And then he looks at the man with the shriveled hand and he says, stand up, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand is immediately restored. Human need is higher than religious ritualism. Jesus was proclaiming to the world that he is greater than the law. He's above the laws of the Mosaic Covenant because as God in flesh, he is the author of the laws. And he's the fulfillment of the laws. Now here is, is where this gets deep and here is where I hope you take something home and you apply this to your life, okay? The Pharisees made the Sabbath laborsome. They, they made it something to dread. It was work to keep. But Jesus and God had designed it to allow people to the opportunity to cease from laboring, to stop and, and enjoy. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the Jews were constantly working and laboring um, to, to make themselves acceptable to God by keeping the laws. And, and they, their work included uh, trying to obey hundreds and hundreds of do's and don'ts in the ceremonial law, the civil law, the, the, the temple law, the moral law. And of course, they couldn't possibly do it. None of us can. It's, it's impossible. So the law really served as a way of pointing people to the need for saving, that they needed a God to intervene. And we can get like this, right? We can, we can, we can strive to achieve, achieve, to become something, to earn something, to feel like God is pleased with us. If I do enough right things, if I do enough good things, if I serve enough, if I help enough, if I give enough, then God will be pleased and he'll be happy and I'll earn my, my, his affection. And we can get like this. So for, the, for, for God and, and the Israelites, what he gave them is he gave them a, an array of sin offerings and burnt offerings and sacrifices so they, they, they could come to him for forgiveness and their relationship with him could be restored. But it was obviously only temporary. Now, through the Sabbath, God was pointing to a day where the people would ultimately have a permanent rest from all their laboring for righteousness. Yeah, think, think about that. We have this, 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 the constant wheel of work, 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 rest, work, 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 rest, you know, day, 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 day off, uh, day, day work, day work, day work. It, it kind of it puts in you this desire for something a little bit more permanent, right? We, we long for retirement or we, we fantasize of what it would be like to, to um, never have to work again. People play the lottery for this purpose, right? And when Jesus came, he was the ultimate sacrifice for all sins, he was the, the sacrifice for all time, and after his work, he sat down at the right hand of God after ceasing from his, his atoning labor because nothing else could be done for salvation. The Lord of the Sabbath had come, and with his death and resurrection, he had become the fulfillment of Sabbath rest. He provided us rest from laboring to achieve our own salvation by our own works. You can't do anything to be saved. The burden is off your shoulders. The weight is no longer on you. And what this means, if I could just make this simply for us, what this means is that Jesus is the Sabbath rest. Jesus is the Sabbath rest. Not a physical rest, right? Not a recharge, but from striving to be better, from earning our way to salvation. In Jesus, the Sabbath-keeping uh, law is no longer binding. What Sabbath really means is freedom from oppressive rule. 
as the Pharisees were trying to oppress the people by having them observe all these rules. So, so if you're in Jesus, there should be no oppression in you because that is what the Sabbath is all about. In the Sabbath, it means that there's freedom from observing religious laws to become righteous. It doesn't matter how many of the commands in the scripture you obey. That does not earn you salvation. The only way you earn salvation is by belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And Sabbath rest frees you from that, from that observing of religious laws. Sabbath means freedom from trying to measure up. Freedom from trying to attain some sort of level of achievement so that God will look at you and be pleased with you. Sabbath rest means freedom from failing to make it. Because we're always falling short. We're never measuring up. But the Sabbath rest in Jesus frees us from that. Sabbath rest in Jesus means rest from all the things that weigh you down. That's what the Sabbath is about in Jesus. It's rest. It's him taking the weight off your shoulders. It's resting in a God who takes the burden off of you and he puts it on himself. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, he said, Come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest because I am the Sabbath rest. So Sabbath is not just a day off. It's not just a day off. It's a relationship with a person named Jesus. And if anything, it's a, the physical day itself becomes about worship, about restoring our soul and finding rest in the person of Jesus. It's about worship. It's about relationship. So what does the Sabbath look like for you and what does it look like for me? It means... Coming to Jesus to continually be lifted of our burdens. It means coming to Jesus to be continually lifted of the burden to toil and labor for righteousness and coming to him in worship and finding restoration for our soul. Sabbath is not about a physical day of rest, although we should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There's something about stopping and ceasing. It's it's beneficial. But Sabbath is about worshiping and finding rest in Jesus. That's what it's about. So I want to I pray for you today. You know, if you're here today and you've been searching and something kind of in you says that this, this, is, uh, this is speaking to me, something in your heart, You've been wanting more, and something today just says, this is, this is what I've been longing for. That's Jesus calling you into a relationship with him that restores your soul. One that forgives you uh, of your sin, restores your soul, seals your eternity, gives you rest. And you can begin to walk in and believe in Jesus today. And it's as simple as in your heart believing that he's Lord, that he rose from the dead, and confessing with your mouth that you are in need of him. And if that's you today, I would love to, to, to walk you through that, to, to, to connect with you and help you through that journey. We can even pray with you. In fact, let's, I want to pray with you today. You know, wherever you're tuning in from, however you're listening, if you're here today and you're like, do you know what? I need Jesus in my life. I want a relationship with this God. I want to commit my life to him. If that's you today, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, um, would you all help me help somebody today and just praying this prayer and if this is you you mean this in your heart and today you can begin that relationship of sabbath rest in jesus would you bow your heads let's pray repeat this after me dear jesus today i choose to believe in you i ask that you forgive my sin i ask that you come into my life 
I ask that you restore my soul. I begin a relationship with you today. I commit to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is just the beginning of it. That is just the beginning. If you made a decision today for, to follow Jesus for the very first time, let us know. You know, go to weareparkway.com slash connect. Click on the button that says, you know, commit. Your, I think there's one in the chat there that you can do. Let us know. Connect with us because we want to help you through the journey of, of really walking in Sabbath rest. And for all of us, if you're here today and you're like, do you know what? I need some restoration for my soul. I need to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's as simple as going back to Jesus, back to his word, back to his presence, back to prayer and finding that restoration that comes for your heart and for your soul because Jesus is the Sabbath rest. If you are laboring, find rest in worship. If you are, if you are toiling, find rest in relationship. That is what Sabbath is all about. Not just a day, but a, but a person in Jesus. Let me pray for you and we'll, uh, we'll go today. Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the truth within it, Lord, that, that the Sabbath is, is not just about observing a day of physical rest, but it's about, it's about stopping the toil and the labor of chasing after things to accomplish righteousness in ourselves. But in you, we have permanent rest. Our, our eternity's been sealed by your work, by, by what you've done, Lord. And now as you cease to, to and you rest from, from the atoning work on the cross, Lord, we can rest also in you. And so I pray that as believers, Lord, our souls would be refreshed in worship. Our souls would be restored in relationship. And we would recognize that it's not just about work, work, work weekend. It's about, it's about a relationship with a God who is in us, who's through us, and who lifts the burdens off our shoulders. So for those who are burdened, God, would you show that you are mighty? Would you show that you are powerful? And would you take a burden, Lord, off the shoulders of somebody? Would you take the weight off in the name of Jesus? Intervene in situations as only you can intervene. And I pray that you would show people, Lord, what it really means uh, th that you are our Sabbath Lord, that you are Lord of the Sabbath. We love you, God, and we bless you and pray this in the name of of Jesus. Listen, thanks for tuning in today. I hope that it today touched you and blessed you and that you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.